Welcome to Beer the Movie, the podcast shh, where we discuss two of the greatest art forms known to humanity, beer and movies. Sometimes achieving outstanding pairings, but other times washing shh, the terrible taste of failure from our mouth. My, David, shh, my name is David. Wait, no, my, name's, <laughs> shh, 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 my name's Joe Hilliard. Who, what's your name? Quietly. I'm Joe Hilliard. Shh, you're David Curtis. <laughs> and I'm... John Krasinski. <laughs> I come back somehow. Yeah. And I'm Carlos Cooper. Welcome to ASMR in a movie. All right. <laughs> good Sorry, point, I, it's I over now. that one. That was <laughs> funny, Joe. I, we're, I, we're I, on the I appreciated that. Yeah, yeah. we're... Uh, <laughs> I fucked it up when I said my your we're, name instead of Are there zombies on this island? Or wait, which, yeah, movie, is this? Hey, which movie is this? I had the exact same thought that the going to the island to get rid of the Dawn of the Dead zombies did not work. But in this film... If you're it, ripping off... It's Zach, temporarily if, if, if you're ripping off Zack Snyder... We're getting, we're getting too far ahead. We're getting oh, too far ahead. Well, we'll find out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, folks, if you've seen the title of the episode, you know what we're getting into. And if you heard the intro you may even have a sense but either way we need to get something in our glasses yes. before we talk about this stuff it's not um, nearly moist enough and 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 given that this episode is is another uh dive into horror uh of, so of various Ish. sorts <laughs> uh, no, you know it's what they're giving us these days so yeah. i'm 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 gonna go with it um i i brought a film yeah just how salty i am about this uh, <laughs> i'm i'm bringing us a beer called bitter death oh um, nice <laughs> it is from a favorite of the podcast uh jester king oh, out yeah. of austin texas hmm. they have a beer this was just released uh at the end of april 2021 and it is called Bitter Death. It is an extra hoppy Belgian-style pale ale coming from them, which has the ingredients of Texas Hill Country well water, malted barley, malted wheat, flaked oats, hops, and brewer's yeast. So this one, I think, would fly with the Reinheitsgebot. Um, but uh, they, It's not they, one of their farmhouse ales. Well, it is. Okay, but, that's the base. But it's just, it's not bringing it, it's, you know, just the yeast and yeah. the, and the uh, malt and the Their barley and the water. Yeast. Yeah, at, yes, I believe it still is. So um, th- this is exciting, but it, it is something they're calling hoppy, so it's going to be a little bit more of a hop presence than we normally get with them. So I'm going to get this cracked. All right. All right, and while that Pour is... this quietly so as not to disturb <laughs> the uh, creatures. Yeah, um... While David's doing that, we're talking about a quiet place too. Um, quick well, who sy- isn't? Yeah. Well, quick synopsis. Following the events at home, the Abbott family, for us Texans, that's a very unfortunate naming of a family, uh, now face the terrors of the outside world. Voice. Ugh forced to venture into the unknown they realize the creatures that hunt by sound are not the only threats lurking beyond the sand path when did we collectively decide that that's the noise monsters make i it makes sense in this case because they're probably trying to do some kind of like sonar detecting thing but i just feel like any monster that growls at some point makes that sound <laughs> and uh, was it alien it feels like it was an alien thing it was like, like alien i have the clicking uh, the predators the do the clicking thing. The pre- predators do clicking. Yeah. I, no, the xenomorph is more of a screech, I think. Okay. Um, but I feel like there's I feel a like this has both. A I feel, little, I feel it like does. These kind it does of have combine both. those. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
you know, you borrow from the best, I guess. Uh, written and directed by John Krasinski, although this has some other writers on it as well. Scott Beck and Brian Woods, it says here on IMDb. Um, or maybe those are characters by... Yeah, characters by Scott Beck and Brian Woods. Um, a follow-up to the 2018 sensation, uh, A Quiet Place, uh, which was... Krasinski's second film as director, I believe. Yeah, um, he, he had done one he other. He did brief interviews with the Hideous Men in 2009, which I've talked about before. He's actually done... That That was, that was his third movie. 2009, brief interviews with the Hideous Men. I've talked about on the podcast before. It is an adaptation of a collection of short stories by David Foster Wallace. And then The Hollers. Uh, I've never heard of this one before, but it has um, podcast favorite Richard Jenkins, Anna oh. Kendrick, Charlie Day... Uh, Randall Park, love him. Uh, a man returns to a small hometown after learning that his mother, blah, it doesn't matter. Hmm. Um, yeah, so 2018 Quiet Place does incredible. I was listening to John Krasinski on Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend earlier today, and he said specifically, and I think he is a fucking liar, that he <laughs> never wanted to do a sequel. But they just pressure me into it, man. Uh, and so that one... But when a movie makes X dollars, a sequel is going to be knocking down your door. A sequel is going to... And so on that one, all... That one, Brian Woods, Scott Beck, John Krasinski yeah. all, all wrote together. And then John Krasinski wrote the second one on his own. But the, the other two get character by... That's nice. Credits. Also a tight 90 minutes, A Quiet Place. And A Quiet Place 2 is as well. Um, pretty short in and out. It's hour 37, but I mean, I will. Okay. So I'll be the first to go on this one. It was entertaining. I don't care enough about it to really say anything else. I know that's not good radio. You didn't Uh, synopsize shit. I did. I told you exactly what it's about. I said, and I quote, following the events at home, the Abbott family now face the terrors of the outside world. Forced to venture into the unknown, Uh, they realize the creatures that hunt by sound are not the only threats lurking beyond the sand path. If you want me to give you a step-by-step breakdown of the plot, I can't. They venture out and and then qualifies. John Krasinski is a beloved figure. And he's not going to be in this film, I thought, as I sat yeah. down and ordered my beer. But uh, really, the, the film... you hadn't seen the trailer? No. Oh, okay. The film opens up and says day one, and now we're going to see the uh, origin of these creatures to a degree. And there's a family Main Street baseball game with all the kids, and this is pre Quiet Place One, and John Krasinski's there, and we get to see him and. It is kind of, I think, a nice throwback to the first film to do so. Um, but then we all hell breaks loose after there's some kind of explosion in the sky. We learn through some screenwriting that there's a base nearby. And then the aliens are upon us. Aliens, we are to assume. Aliens are upon us. Uh, the same aliens that we find in Quiet Place 1. But, of course, at the end of Quiet Place 1, we see John Krasinski die. So uh, then we flash forward... <laughs> Day four hundred thirty, what you know, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. So now we're a year after, not Quiet Place one, but a year after the aliens began whatever it is that they're doing on our Earth, which is probably just well, we, total planet domination. Right. So we so we do start the film as you say yeah. with a flashback. That's what that's what my goal would be. I guess. We, we start the film with the flashback. Yeah. Um, that gives us this something that we didn't get in the first film, right? The first film because it you didn't need it. You didn't necessarily the way the way that they were told it. I mean, th- I feel like we're going to have to address the first film a little bit just because. Th- did you watch it? No. Okay, you didn't. So, 
I, I mean, I did. I and did too. I saw it in the theater at the I time. I was highly entertained by I've it. I've watched it a second time to get ready to watch this one. Oh. Um, in part because I, I did decide to bring my oldest daughter with Is me. Is he going above to... and beyond or does he have too much free time? You guys at home decide. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm schooling my daughter in horror films. It's oh, like Once I realized this fun. was a PG-13 franchise, I realized... I can get away with being still a responsible parent and, and bringing my almost 12-year-old daughter to yeah, this. Yeah. So decided to watch the first one with her again. So the, the, the first one, it plunges you into the middle of things, right. right? I mean, it's like it starts with day four, 70, whatever it is that, it, that they're at, where you know that this stuff has been going on. Or no, it isn't quite there because no. they lose the child. So it's like day 200-something or whatever. And they... They are, you know, gathering supplies. It's post-apocalyptic. Learning you have the no rules. idea what is going on, what yeah. the threat is. It could be zombies. It could be who, who knows. But um, they're out. This traumatic event happens. Spoilers. The, the youngest child of the family is taken by one of these creatures when he foolishly, you know, uses this taken? toy. Yeah. Take. Not killed. He's swept up. I mean, it's, oh, it's a he's very... He's coming back. <laughs> yeah. We'll see. In part we'll three. Place three. He'll I be mean, the it's king. happening. He'll obviously. be the king. He'll he be was the king. raised well, they're, by the yeah, wolves. Clearly, they're going to do a third. Yeah. Um, but uh, but then you you jump forward a little bit more in time, and the family is a little bit more well established in terms of how they operate yeah. during this whole thing. Savvy and understanding the rules right. of the creatures. But they have made the mistake of deciding to get pregnant for during this. Yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, I guess, but then again, you think about it, it's like, okay, but you can't get birth control at the pharmacy very easily, yeah. I guess. You can't, whatever. You can't get peroxide. Um, fucking stupid. The, but, uh, you know, they're, they're having this other child. And then, so that movie, the real threat of it is, how are they going to deal with this child coming into the world while they're also under attack from this strange creatures that never really get fully defined as aliens although we can kind of assume that they're probably aliens sure now with quiet place 2 we get the benefit of this flashback to day one See, which just... we never got with the first film the, the, the first film did not give us any of that and so as joe has described we are plopped in the middle of you know main street usa you know quaint small town everybody knows each other john krasinski you know running into the local store it seems like it's set in 1975 but then people have cell phones yeah no i mean it's it's clearly the the 2010s but yeah it's not clearly no it it is this weird kind of throwback because it it isn't until things start getting a little hairy that someone busts a cell phone out like Mm. so far you see old-timey truck you see yeah. old timey convenience store. You see right. baseball game with an AM FM tuner, which who the fuck has one of those? Anymore, <laughs> you know. And, and then once things get crazy, then you know that, you true. see more modern amenities. So um, you, you know you see them that, and you see this. Okay, so clearly now it's we also have a, a convenient plot device to introduce us to. Uh, Killian Murphy, Killian Murphy, yes. Killian Murphy right. who was not in the, in the first, right? No, not at all. We, we have kids. no sense of what the town was like before this all happened. We have no sense of what. Yeah, but here, doing a little bit of seed planting with the okay, there are other a people in the town. A little bit of seed planting. I mean, okay. I mean, it is there. The, the dive thing. I was like, all right, yeah, yeah. Hey, ready for the callback? I, I wasn't it. ready for any callback. I, that, no, you didn't think that the one sign that Killian Murphy l- I didn't learned. Think, I didn't at the think baseball? when that happened that I would. I didn't know what was. Uh, oh, I didn't know that Killian. Uh, that's interesting. Killian Murphy's here. So I think seeing the trailer the really film. changed my experience of the film because the trailer very clearly shows you a big part of that first day, which is yeah. the what I think was 
a very well executed, well choreographed shot of them traveling in this car down this main street yes. as they're trying to escape the downtown area, mm-hmm. but then are forced backwards by this oncoming bus that's being attacked by one of these creatures. Yeah. So it's like a single shot kind of I wouldn't exactly call it a long take because it's probably something a yeah, little bit less than a minute. Long, but, but it's a it was very effective. well well made, well crafted, well choreographed action scene, action scene no to doubt. start off the film that clearly had to be at the beginning of this whole crisis. So right. I knew this film was going well, to have day one. Right. No, but I'm saying before I even showed up at the theater, I knew based on the trailer, oh, this is going to show us something that happened before the first film. Yeah. So I I knew that going into it. You get that little like prologue that this film and what it gives us is this flashback of that very first day, them arriving. It gives you a plot point that that never gets tied up. Gives you that plot point. And then it jumps us forward to exactly when that last movie ended. Yeah. You know, we, we jump forward to... Right after everything has gone down at the farm, Krasinski had to sacrifice himself to save his kids. And what does this family do? Well, their house is destroyed because it's been flooded and and destroyed by other stuff. They're sort of, you know, they got to move on. They got to find something else. They did set up in the first film that there were other survivors, other people out there because there was this you know, practice of going out and lighting a fire at night and kind of looking out along the ridge and seeing where there are other, and there were other fires. So we know there's other people out there in this family, the Abbott family, decide that they need to go out and seek help with with one of those other families. And from the trailer also, I knew they were going to introduce Killian Murphy as another character. So so I feel like a lot of this stuff that maybe you're like, you know, okay, I knew all this going into uh, it. I haven't winced winced once. I thought that that opening scene was fantastically executed. You didn't find it strange that it took John Krasinski all of 45 seconds to realize that being quiet was the important part of... Now that came on fast. I, I, will, I will agree. Note that. Yes, Fuck I, you. I noted uh, that. Once they went into the bar and then... Well, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I get that. I can get that like... This thing is. Oh, I'm gonna. I'm. I'm David Gurney today. No, I'm David Gurney. I forgive. Sh- I forgive that one. Sure. I uh-uh. and and I and I forgive it to a certain extent as well because you're presenting this to an audience that already knows the rules. So sure. why belabor the point? You know, and mm-hmm. whatever. But it doesn't. I mean, you know, whatever. You felt He's, it. Uh, the thing crashing out of the sky or whatever. Never mentioned again. Didn't need to be. Why? The threats. What, what was the? What was? What would you think would that change? I mean, why introduce it? I think to show us definitively uh, that this the is an alien force. Now, this was something. So I, like I there said, there are a I lot would, of plot points that they introduce and never do anything with because there's more movies to come. I th- I, I feel sure. like they're planting these seeds. Like so, the, the big conversation. I, I don't Robot even know zombies. what direction to go into this. <laughs> I let, let's just put it out there. I like this film. I, did I enjoyed watching it. The first one I, I enjoyed. Too. I think it's a fun theatrical experience to go into a theater and like the quietness of it being part of the experience and that this one wasn't even that quiet no but there are scenes they they do it especially when you snap into the perspective of the the deaf daughter Mm -hmm. and and we get her perspective on things um but you know one of the things that we talked about leaving the theater and and sort of driving away as we as we were heading home was Okay, but like these creatures don't strike me as intelligent themselves in a way that they could organize and do an invasion. It feels more like they are sort of a 
a weapon, a tool that's being used by something else that's throwing this at the planet to almost like eradicate any enemies that would allow an alien invasion. Well, we to as take humans place. think of ourselves at the top of the food chain. I mean, we're just now learning that there's something above us in the food chain, and then we have to. But you think it was just happenstance that it it, it landed there. It has to be. There's nothing of value there to release. I, I imagine this is all over the country. I also assume that it's like a worldwide thing. Yeah. No, I do. But I'm thinking it's... I don't think it's... I don't think these creatures don't... Sh- these creatures don't so... Sh- Say it? <laughs> I can't what? speak. Don't show signs of intelligence that would make me think that they could organize on a level... No, I think they're eating. That they would be... Able- they're eating. So how do they get to the planet? Oh, I see what you're saying. I'm yeah. saying something has brought them oh, here. A, okay. Something has shot them down. They are a missile that has been shot onto the planet. Leave them there for two years, and then we can human, go down. Humans will and be gone. Hu- and whatever populated the planet before right. will we'll, be gone. We'll blow and we can use the resources or whatever we're going to call this species. That was round our, them up, and we can have a whole planet. That was planet. our uh, best uh, quiet place three coming in 2024. For, yeah, right, right, right. Uh, no, I, I too, and, and, and I Carlos, I, we can see you where you're going. That. Why? Why well, I, I hate the idea that it's going to turn into this like random sci-fi. Thing. Oh, well, we're speculating. It's not a random bit. sci-fi. It's uh, true sci-fi at this I point. Guess, I guess, but I, that, <laughs> I, I don't know. That seems that seems like an evolution of this franchise that I would prefer didn't take place. And okay. I would say that I don't think John Krasinski thought out what three or four or five would be. I mean, there's absolutely no way. No, I don't think so either. I mean, I, I think the first one was a bit of a fluke. Yeah. I think I think it worked really well. For, it obviously made huge money yeah. at the box office on not that much of it. It was made think, for okay, 17 million. And I million. think yeah. that people connect to this film, or I connected to this film for the same reason I did the first one, which was that it's very simple, Spielberg-esque roller coaster sto- uh, storytelling on film that it's a family is drama. just enjoyable yeah. to enjoy. Yeah. And... Um, there's no baggage. There's no Marvel baggage. There's no... I mean, it's just... It's an original story. Was, Which I do like about it. Some might say. And I, I I enjoyed the ride that they took me on. I really, really did. Now, is there all kinds of plot convenience and screenwriting oh, yeah. convenience? Oh, yes. So, this one so more so than the first. So you were More wi- so than the first. You were willing to die on the hill that Defive Bloods, they would have never found... That <laughs> all that gold, but you're willing to fucking I'm go glad, there. I'm glad for you brought a that much up. Lesser film. You gotta tie up your point. I well, that's what I'm about to do. He but. took a shit in Vietnam in the one place where he could find the gold. Yeah. That's the that's where you're going. Well, what plot that, point are you talking well, about here? Well, that's a plot. That's a plot convenience that pushes the narrative forward in sure. a way that it needed to be pushed forward in a film that has a great deal more substance than a Quiet Place oh, Two I'm, does. Okay, and, but and, and, this, and, ain't, this ain't no Spike Lee joint. I'm well, holding well, you up to a higher standard. But you're but you're saying that this. Oh yeah, there's a lot this of plot is cinematic but I'm entertainment. To go Five Bloods is trying to do two, is something completely different. That's uh, a dramatic film. I think it's an interesting double standard, but. I, and look, and look. I said, I said it at the very beginning. Whenever and what plot I, point I, are you referring to in I'm this not, film? That I, is just I'm not referring to any plenty. specific I mean, plot point. I'm referring to the fact that you specifically just said there are a lot of plot conveniences. The there fact plot, that you acknowledge that the fact that you acknowledge yes, but it's there a completely are. different kind of film. Okay, it's, sure. It's not giving the gravity of what the guys at what what the five think blood that, that's look, go But do. what I'm saying is that I'm I think a, you're trying to manufacture a fight. I'm, I'm completely not, okay no, to go along with this. I'm not trying to manufacture anything. I. Am much more willing to 
allow for a plot convenience for a film that is trying to do something important and trying to no, say something important. important. Be important. It, it can be with a plot. Regardless, okay. I I said at the very beginning of this that I found the film entertaining, which uh-huh. is a positive thing. I never said I didn't like this movie. Yeah. I, that I found it entertaining, but that I didn't. It is. It's fairly vapid Hollywood, quick beat popcorn like yes. storytelling like there's not really in my which opinion, i think is why people are flocking anything to it. of substance exactly going that. on here i you know i like the idea that the kids are the lead that's like an interesting like perspective to have on it and the same like, actors well, and, you know, and, that, same and that sort actors. of changed so they, this it film wasn't like that in the first yeah i know and so i like that they well took they had, that they had to ramp up it. dad is gone dad was this rock and dad sure, is but gone they, but so they could have given they could have leaned acclaimed, on emily blunt more and yeah, yeah. or acclaimed uh renowned uh thespian killian murphy yeah. who mm-hmm. i love um you know they could have leaned more on him um and so I, I do like that about it, and you know I don't. It's not without its merit, I guess. I mean, but I just did. I found it entertaining. I didn't find it interesting. Uh huh. And that's kind of yeah. That's kind of where they I don't, lie on it. They don't give us a lot of new with the creatures. I mean, uh, clearly the creatures are enough of a threat to give us the kind of tension that we require mm-hmm. to to move along in this film. They don't show us more about the creatures. Uh, the Plot conveniences are all around us. The idea that the... Uh, okay, hold on. I did like the uh, whole scene at the harbor where the child traps yeah. Killian Murphy and there's a whole... You know, yeah, there's a I whole, mean, come on. I, I, it's not like I'm a mile away, I, my Yeah, guy. sure. I didn't well, see that coming and I enjoyed it very much. <laughs> I don't like the idea, though, that the boat that the one or two or three creatures are on well, somehow yeah. made it exactly to the island. Well, how did they, they make it exactly to? to the island? It make, I mean, I... I, I took I took issue with well, they got a boat and they're humans and they can drive the boat. But they to the had nothing. But they had nothing to maneuver the boat. They drifted to the island. Like that boat didn't. They didn't turn oh, okay. a motor well, so on. So it makes sense then. That so the it, well, exactly when they got the there, I was spot. like, okay, they very conveniently drifted to the exact place that they wanted to go. Sure, but then when the other one shows up, I was like, all right, fine. Right. If that's what got us to this point, okay. That's what the current will sure. do. Yeah. Um, I did have a huge issue with how gingerly and lackadaisical she walked backwards to the microphone to finally do the thing she needed to do the whole time and put her hearing aid on the microphone at that point she had already turned the speaker on and the song was playing and it's like yo this guy knows you're there move faster (laughs) like this is nobody would walk that slow in that situation but but she was trying to keep her footsteps silent so that she wouldn't create more noise that would give him that certainly location. could have done it so much faster yeah. she's standing still for a good chunk of it. it but but then it doesn't go with the piano score and it I doesn't know. go with that i mean but I, it's it's annoying yeah i don't know I, the I moment get, that you see the what are those things the boilers that, that you can lock yourself into with the trap door the furnace yeah. the furnace yeah. and you got the towel that's going to prevent the yeah, latch yeah, from yeah. latching i know that latch is going to latch the moment mm. that you see the beeper go off that shows how much oxygen you have before yeah. you'd open the door again i know that that door is going to be uh, they, shut they show you everything they put everything directly in your okay, face so, okay. that is going to create some kind of suspense and, and or Carlos, problem. I'm not going like to pretend like I don't get annoyed by those things. But what is it about this film that didn't annoy me at all? Yeah. That desire to get back to the theater. I think, the idea that I, I like. I think part the, of it is I, I like a film. I, I felt this way with the first one. I, I get it. I mean, I don't think this is a sort of a... 
this isn't um, delicate, nuanced filmmaking. No, but it's Hollywood studio but, filmmaking. But no, but I don't think it's that. It is a very visual mode of filmmaking that we don't see as much of because films are so dialogue driven these days True. that. I truly enjoy it. And, and yes, so I feel like on the two ends of the spectrum, you get like very dialogue driven and very spectacle driven. And I feel like this film has a has an odd place where it exists as a very visual storytelling film Certainly. that actually doesn't rely that much on spectacle. And that to me is a unique experience in the cinema. So seeing A Quiet Place the first time... Um, really kind of surprised me how much I liked it. I'm like, this is something I don't get at the theater very often. I'm actually watching the screen and looking for things because I feel like there's going to be a clue here hidden pretty soon. Yeah. And I'm going to see, oh, wait, he's got this radio going. Oh, I know that's going to be important. And there's was- an omnipresent threat and we know the rules. Right, right. And so all of that stuff worked well for me. The second time around it was a little bit of it more predictable. Yeah, sure. They... But they also brought in, I think, as Carlos has already pointed out, they enhanced those the younger actors' role in the films. I think, uh, well, let's see here, Millicent Simmons uh, as, as the daughter was fantastic. She was in great. the first one, re- even better. They give Agreed. her more to work with. Yeah. Great, great to watch her do this. She's a great um, young actress. Yeah, mm-hmm. ab- absolutely. Um, Noah Jupe. Uh, Great young actor. Yeah. When now, he, when he gets caught in that bear trap, I, I'm feeling. Oh every, I'm man, feeling every that was badass. I'm feeling every minute. The of only, it. I think, the only time where I felt like the film don't scream, your foot's in a bear trap, <laughs> but you can't make a noise. I know. Bullshit. You're ten years old or whatever he is, fifteen, whatever he is. Yeah. Uh, you're gonna scream. It yeah. hurts. The only thing that took me out of it for a tiny second, but I, but then I just kind of let it go was when he decided to leave the the underground sort of area after she had left just to snoop around the place yeah. made no sense to yeah. me. And I, mean, I, I, could, I could alone. not understand him yeah. just deserting. I mean, honestly, it doesn't do anything it to was, the film either. It was stretching it for me that she left yeah. because I'm like, you're going to leave your literally hours old newborn baby yeah. with and, your son who has injured leg yeah. who's not able to like move the way he should be on his own with with this thing. So and 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 her validation for it is glossed over pretty quickly. She's just like, if I don't go, you're going to be in a lot of pain. All right, see you later. Yeah. And I think she was risking risking infection on the bear trap wound. Is that what she well, was she, going yeah, to she, get medicine? Yes. Going she, to get no, pain pain I, I understood. I I once she, she was, finds a pharmacy with a I, during Hurricane Harvey and during the pandemic, I couldn't find um, anything toilet paper. peroxide yeah. for a while that that pharmacy would have been picked over. clean yeah it would have well, been completely but i don't think it had the opportunity to be picked clean well, given the way true. that this whole thing went down but I I, 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 hear, I I guess i guess that's a benefit that the flashback had is that you saw how quickly everybody yeah. died uh i'm glad that you brought up him leaving the thing or whatever yeah because that was one of two things that I took the most issue with. Uh-huh. And it was that we found out Killian Murphy's character has just kept his wife's dead body up there. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> and? 
it's a little that, weird, but that, that's just what an does odd. That, yeah, what does yeah. that do for the film? What does it do well, for the narrative? So it does nothing. The, you guys answer this question oh, I for see me. What you're saying. But, or did you a little have bit of a crackpot? But we, that never comes through because he's, he's a heroic. What figure. was his relationship yeah. to the family? They, they had kids that played baseball. Were they together. just buds? I think they were friends. But were they like related? Somehow? I don't think they're no. related. No. See, the the thing that made me question that, and that's why I was I was worried I had missed some dialogue or something at some point was Shh. when <laughs> when when he and the the older the, the daughter are having that conversation a conversation he's you know like and he's saying you're like him I'm not like him you're like him. Why would you even compare yourself to just somebody who you were a chum with okay. in your town? This is my biggest problem with the film. It the, says the John Krasinski worship, yeah, like or whatever. Well, Lee he wrote the, it. His so. character's name is Lee. The yeah. Lee worship of the film. I understand the family having. I mean, it, he sacrificed himself. But I don't understand right the rest of the town having it unless we're supposed to see in that flashback that he's kind of a bigger than human presence in the town. Well, he's he's just used to being Jim Halpert, praised, loved for everything, and so he's continuing he's trying to find ways to continue himself in that mythos or that might be i think that's what it is even though jim halpert is arguably one of the most notorious borderline sociopaths to be uh depicted on american television well he'd be back for part years. three as my question i, I just see, uh, i just read an article while, during the break between whatever uh whatever. episodes <laughs> not to not to reveal too much behind the scenes um from on screen rant that was basically saying like good luck trying to fit yourself into the third one john oh, what right? are you talking about there well, could easily be there, flashbacks there, there between... could but will in is, fact is there the, a way for it to be as effective as it was in this which is just, arguable there is. Well, or okay. is it just the, like the shoving to it me in there? to me there were at least a couple different things that so the, another point of conversation i had with, with adela as we were leaving was so we were both pretty sure that there will be more flashbacks in the third one and we thought probably even multiple not just one and certainly so you know that the pickup makes it back to their their farm but we don't see how that happens and how could that possibly happen that the given, pickup makes it back to the farm yeah oh. so you haven't seen the first one the pickup it, yeah. plays a role in the first film okay. okay let me ask you a question david do you think not having seen the first one affects the viewer well, well, hold we on, because you couldn't drive the pickup back, right? Because it would make noise, right? Okay. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. how do they end up getting that pickup back to the farm? I want to see that flashback. Yeah. I want to understand how they're able to rationalize that happening. That would bring John Krasinski back. That would, and, and they probably didn't think about that. Which you don't think so at I this point? So. They're writing that story, and they made it such a. You've seen the first yeah. one. It's a pretty important point. The kids playing. I mean, I remember yeah. we. I was rewatching it with Adela. And she was making the point, like, why is he in the truck doing that? Like, what was it? And then it became apparent later why they planted that seed, because it would need to be used. And it was in. But the fact that the truck was like a prominent prop in the first film, and then they showed it pretty clearly in the in this. Yeah sort of prologue to this film but they don't connect the dots to how would you get a truck from this downtown area that's besieged by these creatures that are mm-hmm. totally attracted by sound how would you ever be able to get that back to their farm from that downtown 
Big here, mystery. Big mystery. Here is an interesting, completely crock of shit quote about why John Krasinski's in the second one. Uh, Krasinski said he wrote himself into the sequel because the first film was, quote, such a personal experience and, quote, his love letter, end quote, to his children. He said, quote, it was really important for me to continue the metaphor and we actually start dealing with how this all started, end quote. That he said absolutely nothing to justify, <laughs> nothing of substance to justify his presence in the second one. Um, I think it works. I, th- I think that that him coming back totally works for the audience who I wants think, to see a character they enjoy. I do think it works in this one. Um, it's fine in this one. I think it will be more difficult to pull it off in a natural. This totally makes sense for this movie way in the third one, um, but yeah, but. I don't know if I said this already, mm. but Wikipedia says Emmett, an old friend of Lee's who is now hardened. So I guess him and Lee go way back, and that's why maybe the okay. daughter would be. I don't know. Um, so, yeah. I, so, so I said that I thought that uh, the son going up and finding out that this guy has been keeping his wife's corpse up in the top of this foundry or whatever um, – was a plot point that never pays off or they do anything with that. You could literally remove that from the movie and the film would not change a single bit, which makes me feel all the more likely that it's going to come back up in the third film. Maybe, but I mean, I'm sure at some point it will come up. I think we're going to learn more about Emmett and Lee's relationship. And I feel like, Evelyn, the Emily Blunt character, mm-hmm. has more to that. I my guess Are is that there was a love. I think there was a love triangle of sorts. Okay. Are you I eager gotta, to see all of it? Yeah. Well, at I, this well, point, and hold on, my my second. I'm yeah, gonna get to go, the go, second go, point go, of contention. Whatever, dude. Uh, <laughs> the whole like there are some people not worth saving thing doesn't really pay off in a significant way. It's a line that is said just so we can set up. What are you this talking further. about? When we saw the boat people? No, you, I, I'm saying the line is set up just for the boat people scene to happen. But that is, but there's so much more there well, it's, he's to a, that. There should be so much more to more. Yeah, you're right. You're more, right. You're more right. substance there to why been. did the Abbott family be? Why are they the way that they are, and why is Killian Murphy the way he is? And then why are the? And then how did these other people end up in such a dramatically different direction? Like how See, did I'm they so get so at insane? This, at this point, and that's exactly what I was going to say. Is I think what you're about to say is that it's a trope that we have seen yeah. before, and so it's Krasinski just trusting that the audience has had some exposure to this at some point. That's how it works. And it's for just me. like okay, fine. Like these people get it. Like we'll just throw I feel it like in there I have and seen we'll move enough on. Post-apocalyptic films not just horror but sci-fi and and just like straight up drama that have shown me when we get to an apocalypse there are going to be people who hunker down and try to save themselves there are going to be people essentially who essentially good people who and get boils on their faces for there some are going to be people <laughs> who go totally feral yeah. and decide like we're just going to kill everything that comes towards us or or trap it and slay and slave it and but then how did these people whatever. come to the consensus themselves like how why did they not kill each other how why are they all covered in weird quiet place three buddy yeah, stuff? I you mean, know this why, is, why uh, you know quiet place thing. i don't know there that was just so that if scene was so empty more than two seasons of the walking dead you I, you gotta throw I, these questions I, I, out the window. No, no, himself I, no, and he no, was no. expecting me to come in and probably agree with him not because... at all not at all <laughs> i i get i get what you're saying david but i but i think that the fact 
that this is a post-apocalyptic world where you can't speak to each other, where you can't do no, like really, yeah. really normal things right. adds a layer to it where there's so much more to get into there. And it's such a missed opportunity and it's such a just kind of throw but away I don't think chunk it's, of the film. See, and yes, we're going to go to... I'm so tired of hearing that we're going to hear about it in the third installment. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> if this film cannot stand alone... You're making me hate this movie, David. <laughs> if this movie can't stand on its own oh, it two totally fucking feet without having to have all this speculation about oh, we might see this, we might see that. No, I want to see the film and I want to see everything happen in the film. If you bring it up, show it to the, me, do something important. The people, the harbor people were a device. Uh, I know, and a vapid one is what I'm saying. Uh, I'm not going vapid, but... I'm not going vapid. It was, it was just dude, a way like, come to... on, just go on social media. The people who are like, you know, like if it, when the Civil War starts, you better watch out. I'm coming out guns blazing. There are pieces of shit humans no, who I n- would look at a fucking apocalypse as an excuse to fucking torture people. I it get- is a reality that we live with. I get that. And I hate being reminded of it, but it is a reality. And I'm not saying that that wouldn't happen. What I'm saying is that because of the very unique set of circumstances that this film presents there is more to that to these specific this specific group of sure, people yeah. than what we're shown hopefully we get the like three season arc of the boat people later <laughs> when a quiet place is adapted to a netflix series and, and netflix we get the prequel <laughs> netflix you know, yeah an anime series that's yeah. great but I, I so listen i think quiet place the, the first one a quiet place is better than this film in the sense that it does to a certain extent stand on its own and I think it can work yeah, as a film. It's more of a capsule. It, it now Snap, snapshot. That yeah. said, I think there were lots of question marks hanging in that film that some of them kind of get answered in this film. But then once you've started down that path, it just makes it apparent how many more question marks there are. So I get it. At this point, Quiet Place 2, we're world building. We're going into this realm of like okay this this, it's also basic entertainment it's both it's both right i think but i'm almost certain especially given how this film has done that we're going to get a third one it's already in development and it's pretty clear especially where they leave it because you know again spoilers folks we have a separated family we have part of them that have made it to the island Mm -hmm. where there is this kind of well just the daughter really because as long as you don't part of the family well that's true creatures on a boat the creatures can't swim, so as long as we stay on this island, we're okay. That yeah. supposedly don't introduce character creatures to the island, and we'll be fine. Yeah, although we that'll get complicated. But when you do introduce creatures, all hell breaks loose real right, fast. Right, which I enjoy because they're ins- yeah. these creatures are insanely fast. I enjoy. They it. are. They yeah. are. And leaves and bounds. So, yeah, so, I guess I so just we get don't some like of that. The world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess and the I just sound don't design love the world is, is fantastic. It's fine for what it is. Yeah, okay. it's not sound of metal, but it's fine. Huh. Okay. And I was sad to see, I mean, w- one other little asterisk there. I thought it was <laughs> both smart and sad that they brought in uh, Jaiman Hunsu, yeah. who is a is a really good actor. Yeah, he is, yeah. For this I, I was glad to fleeting see him. little, like, yeah. I'm like, oh, they're introducing this guy into it. Okay, they're certainly yeah. going to do a part three if they're building it. Oh, w- whoa. Yeah. <laughs> I, Why'd I was, you leave the garage door open, yeah. stupid? <laughs> yeah, I was sad to see him dispatched as quickly as he yeah. was. Because I closed the garage I, door I do behind like you, dummy. Yeah. Well, they they had barely been in there for two seconds, but hit, yeah, him back Rule up number to the one. Room. But Keep then the his, creatures outside. But then I kind of loved it because I'm like, yeah, he was the guy who only had three days of this shit on the mainland mm-hmm. and was able to get away, and so he doesn't realize how 
relentless these things yeah. are, and yeah. that you know, yeah. It All right, it doesn't have the same experience. <sighs> we had a very interesting beer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Jester King. I, I'll just, I'll, you know, Joe mentioned the house culture. I, I think one of the things about Jester King that is just, I don't know, if if you love him, you love him. If you hate him, you hate him. Um, but part of why you love them is when you drink a Jester King beer, you know it's a Jester King beer. Yeah. Yeah. The flavor profile from that yeast, that that mixed culture that they have, is just unmistakable. I taste a Jester King beer, and I know it's that. And and if you love them, you love them. If you yeah, hate them, you hate and them. and to me, like yes, this is a little bit hoppier. There's it is. there's there's a little bit more, almost like a dankness in there that that I don't typically attribute to uh, Jester King beers, but. Boy, is that kind of like farmhouse yeah. yeast profile there. I think this is exceptional. I think this is flat out exceptional. Mm. And uh, I think that it's a nice departure for Jester King. And I'm very interested in these new types of beers that they're doing and not relying on the formula that got them so successful. Well, the thing that I'm, if I'm bummed about anything with Jester King, is that they have been putting out some juicy, hazy. Sure beers that i have not and you find that to be a slap in their own face no i can't get my hands on them oh you want them and can't get them they only sell them out of the tap room yeah (laughs) yeah what'd you think carlos let me get the bouquet Yeah, I think it's pretty good. Yeah, f- nice. flat out satisfying. And, you yeah. know, and the other thing about Jester King is that when you're drinking one of these, you're not a casual craft beer drinker. Mm. You're you're doing something different, something special, something that you're not going to find at your local grocery store. Yeah, yeah, it's not a casual kind of beer. They're they're a different kind of brewery, and very specific. They uh, you know they do things that almost intentionally stoke the ire of some fans of some of some beer fans and that you know this is a green bottle beer that <laughs> that landed them in hot water when they started doing it with their petite prince and but they're sticking to it they're 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 still picking these up and they're and they're still doing them that way and so in that sense i think it pairs all that much better with quiet place in that it's a film that has a different did. approach to the way it's telling its story where it's much more visual than it is uh, based in dialogue, and I and I think that there's something kind of uh, unique about that. And I think if you are a film goer and you haven't at least dabbled in this, seen the first A Quiet Place, I, th- I think yeah. you need to at least give it a chance. You should. I agree. I said that I was entertained by it. I didn't dislike it, despite the rage I sent no. David into. Despite all uh, the reasons why <laughs> you suggested that you should. Uh, yeah, I, I, so, could, I, could, I could convince myself to dislike it if I wanted to, but I'm not going I'm to. I'm so looking forward to the next movie we're about to discuss. I'm Same. So I'm curious to, to hear what you guys think about it. It'll 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 be uh, it'll be an interesting conversation that I am very excited to have. Um, I yeah, I'm not going to say anything else because uh, I was about to spoil start your saying, own review. Yeah, start, Come on. start saying things that should happen in the second half of the episode, which will take place momentarily after the break.
<laughs> wow, that was the first contest I had seen I, in a while. And it was, I mean, we were almost dead on. He pushes um, that R, and I know that it's time to yeah, scream it's it. the record button. Um, well, since we are recording, it, the logical next step is to open a beer. Uh, and because of the film that we are talking about, I decided that I was going to bring... Um, St. Bernardus, Abbott 12, Belgian Abbey Ale. Classic. Classic. Um, so the brewery St. Bernardus was founded in 1946 uh, in Belgium. Uh, these exceptional quality ales are brewed by using only the finest malts, local grown hops, yeast, and artisan water pumped from a depth of 500 feet. After the brewing process, these traditional ales are matured in tanks for three months before being bottled in condition. The result is a naturally carbonated living ale that will satisfy the taste of even the most discriminating connoisseurs. So this is a, cl- uh, a classic Belgian quadruple. Uh, it says serve this in a noble glass, which I'm not doing, unfortunately, uh, at 52 to 56 degrees Fahrenheit, uh, which this is a little colder than that at the moment, um, but it'll warm up as we discuss where the fuck is the ABV on this? <laughs> uh, it's 10% ABV. <laughs> so we're, uh, that, that, that was very Moving lively. on up. Moving on up. Yeah. The, it, I don't think we said it, but the bitter death in the first half was a 5.4. So 5. Just, 4, Jester yeah. King tends to be on the... Uh, on the lighter, lighter side, side of things. Five is, we're uh, drinking a Belgian a little, beer? A Bel- yeah, it's a Belgian beer. That's right. So close to Germany. We should do a Herzog episode soon. <laughs> we yeah, we'll get around to that. that. We'll get around to that. Uh, two Belgian. I mean, Jester King isn't Belgian, but it's a Belgian. But it's a Belgian. Pale That's pale right. Ale, this so is kind of a, another subtext of this uh, episode. We're, we're getting into the Belgian. But uh, yeah, thank you, Carlos. I think that was a, a great selection that you made, uh, the St. Bernardus, which uh, is, as I said, as you, you were talking about it, a classic, but one that I haven't had in a while. So I'm, I'm excited to have some of this in my glass. I think that I've had it before, but if I have, I do not recall when yeah. it was. So, so what should I expect? You say Belgian beer you've had before. Before I even bring it to my nose to test the bouquet... What kind of flavor profiles am I likely to see? Well, you, you know, one of the things that tends to characterize Belgian ales is that the yeast they use is much more um, robust in, in, in what it produces, and it tends to produce a lot more sort of floral and fruity and other kinds of aromatics and flavors in the beer. So, I mean, Belgium was one of the first places where brewers really seemed to get, um, I guess, experimental for a better term, where, you know, they went with these wild yeasts they were able to cultivate. They went with these ones that were producing flavors that might be considered off flavors in other settings. I know we've had at some point on the podcast Orval, which... uh, Well, yeah, we we did like a whole... um yeah, we did a few Vertical years of, yeah, of, of Orval, which, you know, is one that definitely has a lot of Britannomyces in there. And so, that you know, using yeast that some people would think of as being just not good for beer. Yeah. But that, uh, that if you, you know, kind of work them the right ways and you, you can produce some interesting results. So, yeah, Belgians are going to be, I think. You know some of the more flavor flavorful beers that you're going to have. And we did three different Orvals. When we did Men in Black 1, 2, and 3. <laughs> what a funny pairing I Back chose. Back in episode 44. <laughs> That's that, awesome. That I was, love it. Uh, that was very uh, so, interesting. So Carlos brought us St. Bernardus because we are 
tackling a film that we've kind of been talking about here in the background. It, it got released on streaming uh, just a few months ago, but it's kind of had yeah. it's had one of those tortured releases. This yes. is one of those that mm-hmm. came out in 2019 at festivals. Was supposed to get a like a major that you know COVID release. Well, so yeah, it premiered on the eighth of September, twenty nineteen, at Toronto International yes. Film Festival. Which you know, if you're premiering at Toronto in September, if you get bought, you're probably looking at early twenty twenty. Right. Right. At, at Unless the, you're the, being purchased for Oscar consideration, then maybe yeah, later no, in twenty twenty. But that's a that's a quick turnaround for a. A, a distribution studio i feel given like you know thinking about marketing and right. all that kind of stuff and especially for a smaller film like this i mean so they would have hoped to be coming out january february march maybe 2020 and yes. of course covid19 hits and all the theaters shut down right right we're talking about saint maud saint maud saint maud um the first feature film by Rose Glass. Mm-hmm. Um, it essentially, in a nutshell, is the story of a hospice nurse uh, who, who goes by the name of Maud, though that's not her given name. That's, that's a name she's chosen, apparently. Um, a hospice nurse who is taking care of a, you know, dancer, a former dancer who is dying and becomes somewhat obsessed with her and not just as a patient but as somebody whose soul she might save because part of her backstory is that before sort of going into this she has gone through a religious conversion and is now devout roman catholic and is very um i don't know how to put it but very devout she's a religious zealot zealot yeah and 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 to the point of bordering on hysteria slash uh psychosis with, with bordering with, on well we find out she really <laughs> is but yeah no they early on it's yeah. clear that she is devout to an extent that's a little uncomfortable but as the film goes on we see that that dedication is even deeper than we realize maybe at first and by the end of it we see that it is something that is uh you know really unhealthy well we see that like uh, we, we, we know at the beginning of the film we're introduced to her with a scene that makes no sense, but then makes sense later in the film that she, in this hospice duties, had lost a patient to, you know, she tried to give CPR mm-hmm. to, and the patient died. Right. I believe, or I'm led to believe by the filmmaker, that her religious conversion occurs after that. Right. Yes. Yeah. When she was the nurse that was helping that patient that died she was katie yeah but then yes. she named herself maud mm-hmm. in this kind of re- religious journey that she had gone on and she's pairing up with these hospice patients that are you know near death or or you know to, to convert them to, to, to use the opportunity to find someone close to death who may not be a believer in what she believes and convert them, save them. Possibly, but it possibly may be the only work she can get after what happened at, at the That's hospital. True. I mean, the way that her friend that she encounters on the street kind of pitches it is that it was pretty bad and that, mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe there was some, I don't know. I, I, I got this hint. I, it, it's obviously never said, but I, I was re- maybe I was reading too much into the subtext of that interaction, but it, the subtext to me 
said that there was some maybe blame put on Katie or Maude for what happened and right. maybe but it shouldn't have been and maybe she was she relieved was in over of her, her position yeah. at that hospital and so now you know whatever um, interesting tidbit Maude is an old German name meaning powerful battler hmm. the name's popularity in 19th century England is associated with Alfred Tennyson's poem Maude so the, interesting- so the name really fits her motivation yeah the name changed the interesting thing about Maude is she's very very good at her job in caring for as this, a hospice yeah, caretaker she's yeah. this terminal devoted, terminal sure. patient yeah. and she has a relationship with this terminal patient who's a larger than life american this is uh, film is set in england but a larger than life american that has come here to this coastal city to die from cancer basically mm-hmm. and so Maud's job is to you know pitch in create uh, meals, make sure that the medicine is delivered, but we are on a path to death here. Mm-hmm. Now, yes. the, the the American dancer choreographer that is her patient has got all of the desires and hopes that the three of us have in this room, including the desire to have a sexual relationship, perhaps, is even even if I'm on my way out. Yeah. So this girl comes mm-hmm. in. We, it's alluded that she's being paid for her companionship but regardless Maud sends her away because she this uh, love interest to the cancer patient Mm -hmm. is an obstacle to the salvation that I'm trying to make sure that my patient receives Mm -hmm. yeah I mean there are these moments between Maud and uh, Amanda who's the the dancer character played by Jennifer L and and Maud is played by uh, Morphid Clark Morphid, is that how you very say Very strange it? name. Yeah, it's very Irish, yeah. like Gaelic. She um, she herself is Welsh. Welsh. There you, okay, that's yeah. better. Yes, that would that make makes even sense, more sense. Given yes. where we go with the throw film. even more consonants at me in a row, and that's how <laughs> that's how you get to Welsh. Yeah. And uh, which is spoken in the film. That's right. And I I don't know that I've heard it spoken aloud before. I've definitely it heard it sung. Crazy. There was a band of super, super furry animals back in the '90s and 2000s that that had Welsh singing. But so, th- th- yeah, it's a great language, though. It's it really is. It's like that, and uh, and I feel like Basque. Uh, what is that? I've never heard Basque. Of it's like a a region of Spain and France that kind of has its own language. Oh, interesting. Uh, that yeah, it's it's really that lots of consonants together, lots of Y's and Z's. They love they love those uh, and X's that uh, you know stay at the end of the alphabet. That's what. They yeah. <laughs> so so Maud is devoutly religious. Her patient is extremely secular. Mm. And use. but but going back and forth, the, I mean, I think that's part of what makes this film work for me Go is ahead. that you have this. So you have this woman who's on her deathbed, essentially, uh-huh. and she's going back and forth between that, like I'm reckoning with the fact that I'm dying and I don't know what comes next, and I don't know if what I. And so she has these moments where she seems to slip into what's going to happen. I am contemplating the end of my life. Right. And like, what comes next? And can I be right with the universe? And Maude's there saying, I got all the answers. Right. And Maude is there saying like, look, I figured it out. Like, let's, I'll bring you to the salvation. But then she, as you said, she has secular roots and, you know, her career as a dancer and these friends that she has from the past very much 
when they're around and when they sort of like remind her of this, she wants to have good time, hedonistic lifestyle, sure, that she had, right? Yeah. So, so it's like this push pull. I want to go. By the way, don't let anybody else change it. <laughs> and but that's that's what makes I think the dynamic between these two characters really interesting. Is you have Maud, who's obviously made this transition from being somebody who was we would assume more secular to being somebody who is devout right and as as a place of comfort to sort of like help her make sense of this thing that was clearly traumatic for her and then you have this person who is going about to go through the ultimate trauma of 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 dying you know what i mean And, and going on to whatever comes after that and she's on this kind of like fence of okay, yeah, do I need to recognize? Because there are these moments where it seems like she wants what Maude is bringing her, and you know they have that. There's this scene there, right, which comes up later in the film where, you know, she claims to Maude that she feels, you know, God working through her and yeah. talking to her, you know, which Maude the- very, you know strongly suggests she can she yes. feels all oh the time. and we see yeah we footage. see yeah, several we, we scenes see of Maud conversing with god in her mind which sends her into an ecstatic orgasmic yes yes facial expression i mean there's a sexual facial expressions yeah. i mean because yeah. there's some special effects going on I, yes are there so, special effects because her yeah. her mouth i mean is bigger than a mouth should be yeah yes. her face like fright night her face contorts and yeah, yeah. In, in ways that are very unnatural. But, is, but, is, and but they're they do so it, subtle. Yeah, I was going to say, but they do it in a way I like that Joe is saying, but do they? Because it happens very Thank quickly. You. It wasn't until maybe the second or third time it happened yeah. that I was, oh, yeah, they are doing some digital doing effects something. there. Yeah. But that's the only hint of supernatural or horror that we see in the first hour? 60, 70 minutes yeah. of this yeah. film. Right, right. It's not until the very relationships. end. Now, a very interesting thing happens. She tells the patient's girlfriend, you need to break it off. Right. She's transitioning to a next plane. Mm-hmm. And, but, but, but the girlfriend tells the patient what's going on. Yeah. And they publicly ridicule Maud. And Maud goes off thinking, I have failed in my attempt. Right. Mm-hmm. To which place Maud, Katie, begins backsliding into the life that she had prior right. to being Maud. She's a little more loose sexually. She's going out trying to make connections with people in bars, taverns, restaurants, mm-hmm. which which some go good, some go bad. Yeah. But then... She's not very good at it. When she re- tries to reconnect with God to what she believed her original purpose was at the beginning of the film, mm-hmm. that's, Carlos, like you mentioned, God speaks to her in this Welsh you know, subtitle dialect. Yeah. And it at this point the film becomes something different than it was prior. I mean it gets way wild. different. <laughs> she puts nails in her shoes and walks oh, around. Self flagellation that we see in the Da Vinci Code with yeah, uh, Paul Bettany's character yeah. and mm-hmm. the nails in the shoes fucked me up, man. It that was, was that was so a rough scene. Hard to watch. Yeah. This notion that oh. when I feel pain, evil is exorcised, or when I feel yeah. pain, I'm closer to God, or yeah. when I feel pain, I'm supposed to connect with God in my mind, so the pain is a constant reminder that God is with me. We see that. Um, we see her oh, prior to that we see her have a sexual relationship which we wouldn't have assumed that we would have given how chaste and yeah. you yeah. know which she would not have done were it not for you know 
the it, sense of failure. Exactly, but feeling, that's where we begin know. to see in that sex scene, we begin to see a break with reality, mm-hmm. where we're seeing two different realities. Mm. We're seeing the reality that the audience would see as a casual observer of yeah. this, right. but we're also seeing Maud's imagination. You see her cave that guy's chest in. Right, so yeah. while she's on top of the guy enjoying some, you know, what <laughs> okay. do you call that, cowgirl? Uh, yeah, she's got her hands on his cowgirl. chest. Standard cowgirl, yeah, right? Yeah, it's not reverse. It's not reverse. <laughs> you see her cave his chest in. Is but that's the just episode a... title standard cowgirl? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it should be. Oh my gosh. Oh man. Sorry. There's no sex fun in Quiet Place too. No, there's, there's no, no time at all. for that. There's no all. sex fun in this either. No, it's not fun. But that's when you see her really begin to make this break with reality. Really she, yeah, begin to make a break reality. We're gonna see two realities. I mean mm-hmm. talking to God was a pretty big break already, but uh, uh but has so, that, so, that so, it happened already? So yeah, I've watched a lot of films. So from there, one. that becomes a device of of the break of reality, what Maud sees and what the audience or the casual observer would see, mm-hmm. and that's where this film, to me, elevates into yep. the witch that's category. Where it, that's where well, it gets. I mean, that's the thing. Like a midsummer category. No, so, no uh, offensive intended. Comments. Yeah, I mean, after the fact, trying to cut. So, I mean, I went to this film kind of thinking it's going to be a horror film, right? And Which it is. It is in a sense, but it's a. It's more it, of a it, psychological. It ends as a horror film, but yeah. the first bits are not horror. It's it's it's. I don't know. I feel. I feel like it is a horror film through and through because I feel like the atmosphere is always very eerie. I feel like Maud is always a kind of off-putting figure. Sure. Like from the jump, she's a little too intense. Yes. And there always seems to be something off about her. And then when she meets her former colleague uh, or like runs into her in the street, mm-hmm. then clearly something is off because there's this whole other thing we didn't know about. That's where we learn as an she, audience that her name's not Maud. Yeah, she's yeah, yeah. that happens, and so that brings in more doubt and suspicion into the character and who she really is and like you yeah. know what is really her whole deal and she's real cagey with the person yeah. you know which is telling us that I understand that know, caginess and, it's and a, so it's a hint back to a life that I don't want to for sure but but I think that's what I mean that it, that's it's telling that scene is telling mm-hmm. us exactly that which I think all of those things even though there isn't necessarily anything really horrific about it it still is a horror. I mean, this this movie to a certain extent follows the a similar kind of um, pace and pattern that like early Cronenberg stuff did. Mm. Like you see something in the beginning that is startling. Uh, like in Scanners, it's the heads blowing up, and you know there are plenty of things you can point to in, in that in that early stuff. Uh, and in this one, it's the kind of scene from the hospital which prompted her religious uh change conversion, conversion yeah um and that one thing that's interesting david maybe you keyed in on this or joe maybe you thought of something but that beetle is clearly like a motif in there but i'm mm. not sure exactly what it represents or what it's saying i know that there is something happening because it's reoccurrence yeah um, I, d- I didn't really but come up with anything I wasn't, no but i wasn't I, I able to yeah. yeah um so so you see that you know, tough start, mm-hmm. something kind of startling, and then it gets real 
pedestrian for a while, you mm-hmm. know, but a little eerie still. And so, yeah, so that's my argument for it being a horror film through and through. Yeah. Um, but I do also understand what you're saying, that it is much more psychological than just a standard jump scare conjuring type situation. Yeah. Or, or like it's, it's, it's not a slasher film. It's not, no. a, it, it doesn't have it's, those kind of beats. It to has it. some it's, body horror to it, but it's not a straight ahead. No, body it horror. does. You're right. There is a body horror element here. Um, it's just, I guess going into it, I was thinking, okay, this is going to be a more standard horror yeah. film, but it really is something Incorrect. unique. It's something yeah. different. Um, I, did I, you like this movie? I did. You, you did, Joe? Did you like this movie? I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. I don't know if I'd use love no, as this the term. Is, this is, <sighs> I this really, is really seeing it. But I was witch. impressed. This I was is, impressed. I, I can't wait to see what Rose Glass does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to see this actress some more. Mm-hmm. Um, but we haven't even gotten to the finale, and that Ooh. is the idea <clears throat> that she goes back to the patient. Right. Yeah, breaks a- after, <laughs> Straight after up having, B&E. After having been put off the case. Right. I mean, so yeah. th- we didn't talk about that. Fired. Eventually, it culminates in... There is a party, party that goes on. She's ridiculed in front of all the guests for, you know, essentially being a religious zealot. And, yeah. and you know, that she leaves. That's what causes her break in faith. She she leaves it. But then she meets the new caretaker, kind of. No, she, she sought out that yeah, caretaker to right, have the right. conversation. And decide. On, on a and, park bench. And seems to click into, okay, I still need to save this person. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and decides to go there and kind of confront her or, mm-hmm. or, or reintroduce her service and mm-hmm. say, okay, I'm so going to be able to do there this. There she is. And this is where we see another example of Maud seeing one thing yes. and us seeing reality. Or maybe Maude's which, which is reality and ours is the well, wrong thing. In but that scene itself, do we see the other... We don't really see reality a lot through this film. No, I mean, no, we get glimpses of it, but the film, and I think where its strength lies, is that it is told almost solely through Maude's perspective. A lot of it. Well, I mean, majority when of I say it. we see two things, we see Maude there to lead the patient... Tell me her name again, the character's name. Amanda. <coughs> to salvation by hook or crook, however I need mm-hmm. to do it. Mm-hmm. And this is when things get really fucked up. Right. Um, because Maude sees this woman as a demon that needs to be you know, saved. Mm-hmm. But we see that this is just a cancer patient that just wants to, you know. Right. And so Who- when Maude comes in and tries to dab, dab her with some holy water, etc., the woman's like, no, no, everything you believe is total bullshit. But what Maude sees is a demon yeah. saying he's dead with the, with the CGI face yeah. and all that. And the, the, she murders yeah. her patient. With but to her, scissors. she's saving. She's killing a demon. Killing she, the yeah, her patient. She's smiting this demon. Yeah. To which she achieves her angel wings. <laughs> what a magnificent scene! Beautiful. I loved that scene. And, 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 this, is, and this is no, us. no, where she in her apartment. She, she has gets the glowing wings and, angel yeah. wings. And 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 one of the reasons that I say that it's this film is largely told through Maude's perspective is that I mean she fucking floats in her apartment she's just levitating there which is also a very visually striking scene I mean I think there is so much strength in the visuals of this film and sound design sound design is great I think that uh, you know the restraint that Rose Glass shows in this um, 
you know, the dialogue is fairly sparse and a lot of times, I mean, mm-hmm. a lot, I mean, cause a lot of it is we're just with Maude. I mean, she yeah. interacts with Amanda a good amount in the first half of the film and then we get a couple of exchanges with her friends and then in the bar a little bit, but a lot of it is... Past co-worker. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is her working in the house? Yeah. Is her in her apartment after she's, she's let Doing go? Doing religious research? Yeah. And I think that all of that plays so much into this very tense atmosphere that is created. Yeah. And that combined with the striking visuals combined with, you know, the actual content of the film, which I find to be very interesting. You know, like I am gravitated to those kinds of stories about, you know, religious fanatics and Mm -hmm. the, I mean, insanity of, of organized religion in general, but also the extremes that people take it to sometimes, Mm -hmm. you know? And then of course, yes, at the end, she walks onto the beach and sets herself ablaze and we While lo- we see more than ever the two conflicting yeah. yes. viewpoints, which is what the audience sees and yeah. what she is seeing, which is fantastic for a lot of reasons. One, I think the role that the people on the beach play during that time, like how she's seeing people mm-hmm. kind of there idolizing her. Yeah, and she's what, about to ascend into heaven. Yeah, but then also what I the part, and again, this is Rose Glass showing some restraint is that she sets herself fully ablaze mm-hmm. and we see this ethereal angelic no, kind of no, figure. She, we see um, what she's seeing in that moment. Well, yeah, exactly. It's so, bliss. so, so we see that it, yeah, it is euphoria yeah. mm-hmm. and it's this divine moment. And then she's a smiling. split second of her skin burning off. Uh, yeah. Uh, and her screaming and, and screeching. Agony. Yeah. And the, yeah. Like yeah. The, the reality of it. Yeah. Which, no, that, which that is, was, is, but we is see so the beachgoers, it's 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 really so well done, and yeah. this is so spoiler heavy at this point because you're at the end. Yeah, of the it's film. the final seconds. You of the see film. the yeah. beachgoers saying "Stop her, stop her!" Yeah, but yeah. then we see, and then you see her, Maud's her, point of view of them bowing down yes. to her. Yeah, beauty and, as, and ascension. And as someone saying "Stop her," you see her with her thumb on the lighter, on the, on the lighter, about to mm. flick it on. Uh-huh. And I mean, all of it, the pace which it plays it's out, because so it happens, good. that part happens pretty quickly in yeah. comparison to the rest of the film that is kind of more of a slow pace. Right. This one, we, we kind of, yeah. it's all happening rapidly as her mental state is rapidly deteriorating by this point. Mm-hmm. And just the way that that scene is handled and, you know, the fact that it is the most distinct separation of reality and her reality in an effective way and then also i think you know an an eli roth would have taken the gore of that scene to the extreme you know a lesser filmmaker would have leaned too much into the startling um kind of shock the 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 gore the horror the shock grab of it well no see i but i think good horror is not intrinsically tied to gore okay yeah i mean there's a ton of great horror movies that aren't yes i I understand what you're saying but it's 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 done very well it's not a horror film until the last 15 minutes i did see i i already spoke for like 10 minutes about how i disagree with that horror film until the horrific images of this last i think it i think the murder of the patient the setting myself aflame that's when we're in deep, deep horror category. And the first 110 minutes are just pure psychological th- thriller interesting yeah, yeah. observation. I, mean, I, I, th- I think it exists in the realm of, of psychological horror, but I, I obviously I, I hear where you're coming from, Joe, and, and I, 
I agree that it has a very um, sort of measured approach to mm-hmm. where it eventually arrives. But I do think given where it goes, it it deserves to be put into the category of horror. And sure, I, th- I sure, think, I think sure. it, it belongs there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that final few seconds of the film where we see that stark contrast between what it is that she is perceiving as happening and then what the world around her would see right. happening, it it is one of the most effective so well done. endings of a horror film yeah. that and then I've credits. seen. Yeah. No, it was just love it. it. So, what's the official release date of this? Twenty twenty or nineteen? Because I I honestly, I think different sites you forget different answers, right? Because it played at fest at least one festival in twenty nineteen, but then it had a twenty twenty release date that got delayed. Well, I think eventually it did get in the fall in the UK, October in the UK. But here in the US, I don't think we could see it until twenty twenty one. Yeah, never never played theatrically here. Yeah, no, just popped up on Hulu. Right. Okay, so is this better or worse than Possessor? If you had to choose i think possessor is a stronger film yeah and it is more straight up horror but uh, if this film had come out last year it might be playing with my top five i mean i enjoyed this film so top 10 for sure it was really good i you know and i'll just mention even you know i like the score of the film but Mm -hmm. also some of the soundtrack selections there with like a couple esg songs slipping in yes and there's a Clerks connection, which I was hoping you would pick up on. Oh, I don't think I picked that the, up. There was a Jesus Lizard song in oh, there. So the, yeah. the very few movies pull out a Jesus Lizard very song. Few. Now, so. it's, I'm, I'm glad you brought up ESG because I've watched so many films between now and then. I, I totally <laughs> forgot about that part. But I was I watched it with my, with my buddy Nathan, uh, who I think we talked about in the last episode mm-hmm. a little bit. And... I like to watch things with the subtitles on when I'm at home. And so the subtitles were on. And when ESG comes on, it says avant funk playing. <laughs> and nice. And, uh, and Nathan looked at me and he was like, I really need more avant funk in my life. And I was like, ESG is a great place to start. And he was like, everyday street gangster. And I was like, no, no, uh, not that. And he was like, he was like, no, no, I, I know what you're talking about. Cause when I tried to find everyday street gangster on Spotify, I found this other band instead. And I was, uh, it and was then, jarring. And then you said, have you ever watched vampires kiss? I, that's, what I, that's what I did say that. I did say that. Uh, and I was like, yeah, if, you, if that's what you're looking for, ESG is the perfect place to start. Yeah. Dive, fucking dive into it. It's great nice. stuff. But thankfully, this movie has been getting some attention, mostly in the UK. I mean, it was nominated for uh, a couple of uh, a couple of BAFTAs, I believe, uh, British Independent Film Awards. It won a couple of things here and there. Um, I think it's a really big shame that uh, this film isn't going to get the attention that it deserves because mm-hmm. of its kind of troubled release schedule yeah. and everything like that. It got, but it got caught in the shuffle. When I watched this, which was about a week ago at this point, um, it had a hundred percent rating on Rotten Tomatoes. It was like, but only like 20 to 25 reviews. Now there's like a hundred and some odd reviews and it's kind of gone down to a 93, yeah. but still being critically nice. yeah. well received. And so what I really hoping comes from this, because the, you know, this movie, as far as reaching a wide audience, I think has kind of, it's kind of a wash at this point, unless some studio picks it up and puts a lot of effort no, behind the advertising, happen. which won't happen. But I really hope this means that we get another opportunity to see what Rose Glass is yeah, going to do going I completely forward. Agree. And I hope that that movie 
isn't affected by a global pandemic <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. and gets and gets all the attention I and praise one and deserves, global and pandemic in our lifetimes is enough. enough yeah and then people can come back and find this one oh, uh, we will shout so, from the rooftops watch saint maude i yeah. think i absolutely i, mean, it, I think if you're listening if you're listening right now i think without any hesitation i say watch this film you, you you need to if you're a beer and a movie listener yeah and and you think at least most of the time we're, we're getting somewhere close to what's right saint <laughs> maude's the one saint maude is is one that you need to where, where do we watch on. this it's on Hulu. It's yeah. on Hulu. Yeah. yeah. Go, See, watch so if you're, go watch it tonight. If you're a Hulu subscriber, you can go on there right now. Uh, if not... Do, don't expect to be uplifted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think this this was one of those where the at the end of it, Aaron turned film, to me and was like, that was a little depressing. The <laughs> yeah, the only character uplifted in this film is Maude. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in and, her own and, mind. Yeah, yeah, in her own mind. Yeah, I, I think this film's working on a very, very high level, and I think that Rose Glass is a director to watch. For I can't sure. wait to see more. Right. And, and I would expect, you know, the, the, and that's why I say beer in a movie listeners probably, if you're somebody who is devout, then this is probably going to be a little bit, Upsetting to I, you? I, I don't. I don't think <laughs> so because Maude, really? Maude is presented because it goes to no, such because, a level of okay, zealotry that I. You were raised Catholic. Yeah. Was self-flagellation a? No, not a not a right. regular. So Maude has is creating has gone her to own her own path, yeah. her own. Well, I guess in the sense that the, the schism reason, of I feel, Catholicism. I feel like people who are devout. She's looking for something. I feel for like her. people who are devout are a, are upset by things that show us that devout or devotion to could go in a direction can essentially be a form of mania you know that that i I think people get upset by that i don't think that's going to affect our listeners generally but i i could see like if i was speaking to somebody like my mom who's not with like i wouldn't suggest her to watch this no yeah does your mom have a Shoe with a bunch of nails. And she tacks didn't, in it. but I don't think she liked to think of the Catholic Church as a pathway to that. Yeah, it's, <laughs> sure, it's sad to know it, reality. Uh, yeah, um. <laughs> it's actually it's very happy to know reality. I, I walk through my life thinking I got nails? angel wings on, just like Maud does. And if I burned myself up at the beach, people would bow down to me and, as and, well. And how do I? Not to, you know go back and keep repeating the same thing over and over again but also you know the visual the choice it's for how so for well. how the angel like the look of the angel wings yeah. loved that because yeah. they're not literal yeah it's like kind of a, almost like a neon sign it's type light. of yeah. look it's light yeah it's light and the whole i just i just think that it shows someone with a very distinct eye and Next time Rose Glass puts a movie out, let's do it right here on this show. Oh, I man. hey, absolutely. Hopefully it's soon. Perfect. Because I mean, if this premieres this was in twenty nineteen, someone, someone, yeah, someone no, look it up. She got something in production. Hopefully during COVID, she I got see. something going. Not, yeah. that I, right. not that I've seen. Uh, what? So where are we landing on this beer, David? You said you hadn't had it in a while. <laughs> is it living up to your memory? It is. I mean, like this is just. I mean, ten percent. I yeah. don't know if you can hear it in my voice right now. <laughs> uh, I kind of can, but I'm I, feeling I know it pretty well. Um, I, I mean, Just don't try to stab me with those scissors. Or <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do I have wings growing out of my back? Uh, Not yet. Yeah, there's an after hours though. <laughs> that, that's for Red Bull, isn't it? Yeah, no. <laughs> Red Bull, it does the, give but you wings. Uh, the, this is just—it's—it's it's dark. It's rich. It's 
you know, Belgian ales get their reputation or have their reputation. And sometimes I feel like I am underwhelmed by them. Like, okay, the, the, yeah, is this really? Like, yeah, okay. The, but it's, this it's fit one, in the style, but do I even care? Right. But this one, it's like I t- every sip I've been taking as we've been talking about this film, it gives me like another layer of flavor. There's like the caramel kind of mm-hmm. maltiness to it. I'm getting like a little bit of like fruity notes in there, like yeah. some cherry, some other kind of like, More stone, like stone fruit. Fruits, yeah. yeah. Like it's just so complex and so beautifully put together. And it and it's been that way for Dozens of years, if not uh, over, I mean, fifties or sixties, late forties. This is incredible. How much did that bomber cost? Do you mind if I ask? I I find it very offensive that you would ask me such a question. Um, it's like ten bucks, okay, ten or eleven, there's maybe no, twelve. There's no reason why everyone shouldn't have one or two of these in their garage beer fridge. Yeah, for as big a bottle as it is, and at ten percent, I, I mean, can't describe the beer or my reaction to it better than David can't, did, so I won't. But this 10% is bursting with all kinds of flavors. It sure is. No fuss, no muss, no Oreo cookies, no, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's not, <laughs> and we're tw- guilty. 20 we're pounds guilty of strawberries. Oh, yep. hell yeah. As yeah. Guilty I'll as drink anyone. those all but goddamn day. But there's no 20 pounds of strawberries in this. This is just doing the most that you can to produce flavor with a fantastic recipe with the basic ingredients that make up a beer fantastic good call good call of it carlos yeah thank you i do what i can uh don't don't i'm not usually the one bringing the beer so when i do i like to really make sure that i do a good job don't milk the compliment and i don't let people down uh my biggest fear in life is letting people down um yeah watch st mod on hulu hopefully we don't let you down with that i'll say this st mod will stand the test of time in a way that quiet place 2 will not i agree with that even Uh, though st mod will make a fraction of the dollars yes so far it's like barely topped a million um but all of that being said, another another horror episode at a not very horrific time of the year, although it is starting to get horrifically hot. Um, but regardless, A Quiet Place 2, the first theater-only release of 2021, I believe. Did you go out and see it? Uh, have you checked out St. Maud? Did you, were you aware of St. Maud when it was in talks in 2020 or are you just finding out about it for the first time i remember seeing some kind of murmurs about it uh and then forgetting about it till it showed up on hulu covid messed this movie i remember the trailer from before yeah Yeah. same um and then four times if uh if you're from texas you you know you're probably at least familiar with jester king have you had it have you had saint bernardus please let us know get involved in the conversation we'd love to hear all of your hot takes um i will argue with you on the internet if you so choose um Get in touch with us on all the socials. You know where to find us. Twitter at Beer Movie Show. Instagram at Beer and a Movie. Facebook.com slash Beer and a Movie. TX Beer and a Movie Podcast.com is the home base. Patreon.com slash Beer and a Movie Podcast. $5 a month gets you a bonus episode every single week. 
Uh, we talk about a lot of things. Sometimes we continue the conversation about the film. Sometimes we talk about the television that we have been enjoying, the books that we've been reading, the music that we've been listening to, all sorts of stuff. Lots and lots of interesting extra conversations happen on that Patreon channel. So check it out. Tell a friend. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, please rate, review, and subscribe so that we can manipulate the algorithm to putting us higher in these search engines. Uh, that way everybody can find out about all sorts of great uh, films and craft beers and what have you. Um this has been another exciting episode. Horrific episode, dare I say. Uh, <laughs> until next time. Never waste your pain.